Friends, our scripture reading this morning continues with our summer preaching series. As we study and walk through the early ministry of Christ, as he calls his disciples to travel and journey with him. Each week here in worship, we are preaching on a scripture that correlates with an episode of the TV show, The Chosen, which is what we're studying during the Sunday school hour in the chapel. I have to say, it's been an amazing, an amazing thing to study with the Sunday school class. And it's one of those classes where if you have not watched up until this point, I still encourage you to come. It's an easy class to jump into. We watch clips together prior to discussing, and it helps us see the scriptures lift off the page in a really concrete and beautiful way. This week, the Spirit moved after the bulletin was printed. So I'll be reading a few extra worships, uh, extra verses of our scripture this morning. Um, We're still going to be looking at the Gospel Matthew, starting with chapter 4, but I'll start with verse 12 instead. You can follow along in your pew Bibles, if you'd like, on page 880. Friends, let us listen for a word from the Lord. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee and left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Nephalti so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephalti on the roads by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus had began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus traveled through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among people. So his fame spread as far as Syria, and soon people started bringing to him all those who were sick, those who were afflicted with severe pain, those possessed by demons, those with epilepsy, those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's something absolutely beautiful about reading the gospel hand in hand with watching the show The Chosen in this season. Our congregation's been doing it for about 11 weeks now. And our series, as Jesus continues with Jesus calling his disciples and inviting them to follow him. I can't stop asking myself as watching this series with the church, what does it mean to really follow Jesus? 
You'd think I'd have a set answer ready to roll off my tongue or a clear mission statement or an elevator speech. But the longer I do this work, the more hesitant I become about clear, cut out, forever answers. I find myself asking the question more and more, not only as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus myself. You see, I was baptized as an infant. I was confirmed in my home church when I was in seventh grade. I started seminary at the young age of 22, was ordained to be a pastor five years later. So I can safely say I've been trying to do this work all my life. I've been trying to be a follower of Jesus, and I find myself curious, how do other people answer that question? I mean, what would you say? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And I ask because I'm also getting clearer and clearer that as hard as it is to come up with a concrete answer or a quick elevator speech, we need to take it seriously with purpose. I'll be honest, I've always been a bit intimidated by the passage that we heard today, the calling of the disciples' scripture. I mean, James and John and Peter and Andrew, they left everything, everything to follow Jesus. They set down their nets, they said goodbye to their father and their families, and they walked away from all of it. I don't know what that would look like in today's world, but I imagine that would be hard for all of us. Their blind faith encourages us to wrestle with what the word call really means. One writer puts it this way, to what does Jesus call us? Too often we answer that question in terms that, we do, not that do not require enough of us. Some Christians might say that we're called to belief. Others would say the church is called to membership. Others would say to service. And some would say all of those things and more that can't be listed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great theologian, said that the call to follow me, that Jesus says, was a call to absolute discipleship. And that only in surrendering ourselves to Jesus' command could we know our greatest joy. I'll say that one more time. Only in surrendering ourselves do we know our greatest joy. I'm more and more convinced that Bonhoeffer was right, that following Jesus has a lot to do with both surrender and joy. But surrender is not a word that I like or that I use a lot. It's a loaded word. Surrender is what you do in war when you lose. Surrender is when you're fighting with someone and you give up. Surrender is what, ha what people do when they have no other choice. It reeks of defeat and powerlessness. It's not often thought of in our society as a noble word, and most people would never associate it with joy. It seems like it's just the opposite. You associate surrender with pain and with despair. But I think Bonhoeffer's right. Only in surrendering ourselves do we know our greatest joy. And that surrender is exactly what Jesus is calling us to do when he cries out, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. Repentance is nothing less than surrender, surrendering to a new way of life. 
And I know that may sound sometimes like nonsense or church talk or church speak to some people, but I think it's true for all of us here. The deepest kind of truth, the kind that challenges the way we usually think about our lives, and then enters the fisherman. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, and even the other brothers, James and John, these men worked the Sea of Galilee. Their stately shoulders rode, bo rode boats on the water day by day. Their rugged hands hauled in nets full of fish. For all we know, these brothers, when they're met in this story, were busy with their everyday lives. They were far, far, far from the halls of power that were propped up in Jerusalem at the time. Maybe they weren't as concerned about following prescribed religion as they were being sure that their families had daily bread on the table. It's ones like these that Jesus tells to follow as he goes out remaking the world, bringing light throughout the land, and they follow. Matthew reminds us this morning in his gospel that following Jesus doesn't happen in the abstract, but in context, circumstances, relationships in our lives. Our relationship with Jesus is grounded and experienced in people and events and the lives of all of those in our world. And so it was for Peter and Andrew and James and John we see that throughout the remainder of Matthew's account of the gospel in the coming verses, if you care to look. He not only describes the life and the ministry of Jesus, but the ongoing and the shaping and the forming of disciples, Peter and Andrew and James and John, their actual lives. The shaping and forming that happens in Jesus' teaching of the Beatitudes, in the way that he heals the sick or tells parables, in his feeding of the 5,000, in times when Peter complains that they've left everything behind, in James and John arguing with others about hoping to sit at the right and the left of Jesus, in Christ's crucifixion, in his resurrection and ascension, and in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Every one of those moments echoes with Jesus' words, follow me. Every one of those is as much a turning point in the lives of the disciples as was the day Jesus first saw them by the sea in Galilee. Turning points always resound with the invitation to follow Jesus. They're the intersection of our lives and his life. We hear it in Jesus' words. He only says two things. Repent and follow me. At some level, they're the same side of a coin. With Christ, repentance is more than just a moral change. It's a life change and a turning point. We look in a different direction. We see with new eyes. We establish new priorities. We travel a new road. The turning points of our lives bring us face to face with Jesus, and they come in lots of ways. Sometimes they come as we've planned, worked for, and hoped for. Other times they're completely unexpected and take us by surprise. Sometimes they bring us joy and gladness. Other times they're filled with sorrow and loss. 
Sometimes they affirm everything we thought we believed. Other times they leave us confused and not knowing what we believe. You've probably experienced all of those things and more in turning points in your own life. Moving out, maybe, beginning a life for your own. When you fell in love or got married. When you birthed a child or when the death of a loved one happened. The failure of your business or the loss of your job, your divorce. A success or an accomplishment that was really meaningful. An anniversary that grounded commitment in your life, your first AA meeting, your new role as caretaker for spouse or parent or child, a longtime dream that finally came true. And of course, the list could go on and on, and we could all tell stories of our lives' turning points. It seems as if our lives are a series of turning points, some big and some small. Regardless, with each turning point, we see ourselves, others, and the world differently. We think differently, we focus on different concerns, we ask different questions, and we move in different directions. What they all have in common, however, is Jesus' invitation, his command to follow him. Each turning point for us comes with the opportunity for and the promise of Christ to refashion our lives. That's what Jesus did for Peter and Andrew and James and John. I will make you, is what he says in our scripture. And that's what he does. And that's what he does to all of us as well. He makes us more of who we truly ought to be. In him, we begin to recognize ourselves. This doesn't happen in spite of our life circumstances, but in and through our life circumstances. That's where and how it happened to the disciples. Their turning point came in sailing on the same boat, on the same lake, using the same nets, doing the same work they had done the day before, and the day before, and the week before, and the month before. It's important for all of us to look at our lakes and our boats and our nets and the circumstances of our lives. What's the turning point that faces you today? What's happening? What do you see? Don't ignore it. Because somewhere in your life today, there is a turning point, a place of repentance or a place of surrender. Maybe you know exactly what it is as I'm speaking, or maybe you've not yet recognized it. Maybe you've closed your eyes to it, but regardless, it's there. And so is Jesus, beckoning and calling. And he stands there on the shore and he says, follow me. Friends, Jesus offers us joy when we are called. And through him, we begin to see our lives differently as people who have been called and who have been claimed, as God's beloved, who have a purpose in this world far beyond our own small lives that we often get caught up in. And those who belong to Christ and to each other, those are all that have been called every single one of us, if we're patient enough to slow down, to listen, to not ignore it. I pray that it may be so in this place for all God's people. Amen.
Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, when you walked on dusty roads or sat by glistening waters, you met people where they were. And when you bent down to touch the leper or raise the eyes to touch hearts, heaven and earth felt just a little bit closer. And so our prayer today is that our world will know your healing touch and your forgiving heart, that those who have been hurt by insincere actions and critical words will hear your healing voice, that those whose lives are filled with dark thoughts or unimaginable fears will know your peace. Walk beside those who are close to giving up hope and where life seems to have no point, where people struggle to make ends meet and fear that what little they have will run out. May all who weep and mourn or feel abandoned and unloved hear your voice and feel your arms around them and hear the whisper of your presence in the long hours of night. Inspire us, O Lord, and encourage us to bend down low to embrace those for whom society has no time or patience. God of healing, Touch our lives with your spirit. Bring warmth and comfort, life and wholeness, and restoration into fractured lives and a fractured world. Lord Jesus, we pray saying the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the grace of Jesus has been poured out for us, let us now pour out our lives for others, offering our gifts and ourselves to God. The morning offering will now be received.
together. O Lord, giver of life and source of freedom, we know that all we have, we have received in your hand. You call us to be stewards of your abundance, the caretakers of all you have entrusted to us. Help us to always use your gifts wisely and teach us to share them generously. May our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. Christ calls out to all of us and says, follow me. And I pray that we might be bold enough to answer that call. So may we go out into the world this day with new eyes and new ears and new hearts to see just where that calling might be. And as you go from this place, hold fast to the one who always holds fast to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Mm -hmm. 